When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, this is Ronnie LeBlanc from Expedition Bigfoot. Join the BCC boys on their Patreon, The Other Side, as they unpack each and every episode of Season 2 of Expedition Bigfoot, airing exclusively on Discovery+. Plus. It's Bigfoot Collector's Club with Bryce and Michael. <laughs> I know a ghost story or two. Let's do this. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. I'm your host, Michael McMillan. And here's your other host, Bryce Johnson. And super producer, Riley Bray. <laughs> and this is Ronnie LeBlanc. <laughs> Coming in hot. Coming in hot. Our guest's announcing himself. We're in, a, we're in a real BJ in the Shadow Bats mood this morning, everybody. So who knows? You might finally get a, a country song coming your way in the yeah. next few weeks. Yeah, working on a Bigfoot country song. I think it's going to be epic. <laughs> this uh, mood strikes us well. Uh, hey, everybody. We have a guest, a returning guest today. I'm going to kick it over to Bryce to formally introduce him this is a guy you all know and love bryce oh great fantastic well this will be off the cuff but this guest is an author he is a researcher and he is a television team member on the incredible show expedition bigfoot uh this guy is incredible i love his work uh please welcome to the show mr ronnie leblanc hey welcome back ronnie bryce How's it going, man? (laughs) Great. Thanks for having me on again. This is awesome. Uh, Oh, my God, dude. Thanks for being on. Yeah, we want to get all the members of Expedition Team Bigfoot uh, on here and and, and start talking about this incredible season that we had. And uh, we're so happy that you uh, came over and joined us. Last time we spoke with Ronnie, we were getting dispatches from Monsterland. Uh, an area <laughs> near where you live where there's lots of Bigfoot sightings and high strangeness. I think we got to get an update if there's any new activity happening in your neck of the woods, Ronnie. And yeah, we're going to talk about the show as well and what's happening, at least on the first three episodes of Expedition Bigfoot, even though uh, the fourth episode will have aired by the time our listeners are hearing this. We, we're watching it tonight, so we haven't seen it yet. Mm. Um so, but I think there's enough to get into already at the beginning of the season. Uh, but before we do that, Riley, get your button ready because Bryce and I both brought in some BCC news. 
That was I felt like that was way off. It was right on time. We were step stepping stepping in sync on my end. Okay, Uh, Ronnie, I'm sure you've heard this story. A lot of people sent this to us. Uh, I got a lot of angry uh, angry messages from listeners on Instagram DMs that said "fuck this guy." (laughs) But um, (laughs) this is from the AP News. Just dropped a few days ago. Oklahoma lawmaker proposes Bigfoot hunting season. Oklahoma City, a mythical ape-like creature that has captured the imagination of adventurers for decades, has now become the target of a state lawmaker in Oklahoma. A Republican House member has introduced a bill that would create a Bigfoot hunting season. uh, Representative Justin Humphrey's district includes the heavily forested Owachita Mountains in southeast Oklahoma, where a Bigfoot festival is held each year near the Arkansas border. He says issuing a rare or excuse me, he says issuing a state hunting license and tag could help boost tourism. <laughs> Establishing an actual hunting season and issuing licenses for people who want to hunt Bigfoot will just draw more people to our already beautiful part of the state, Humphrey said in a statement. <laughs> Humphrey says his bill would only allow trapping and that he also hopes to secure a twenty five thousand dollar bounty to be offered. That's uh, it. <laughs> yeah, it's a little low. Um, Michael Holmes, a spokesperson <laughs> for the Oklahoma Department of Wildlife Conservation, which oversees hunting in Oklahoma, told television station KOCO that the agency uses science-driven research and doesn't recognize Bigfoot. So, a little insult to injury there at the end of the uh, article. But I, I, you know, Ronnie, I think we got to get your impression first. What do you think about this? Okay, so first thing I would say that. Doing this, it brings the subject matter to the general public, which is always, I think, a good thing. And the fact that this guy wants to do hunting season around it, they believe that it exists. That's a positive. Obviously, we don't want people going out there killing them. uh, But I do feel that we need a body at some point uh, to really get the scientific community to kind of pay attention to all this. Uh, but then also I feel that the um, the big piece is the fact that <laughs> I think this guy just wants to be an expedition Bigfoot. <laughs> <That's> it. <laughs> it does seem like one of those like uh, like those bills that you introduced just to get some press. I got an idea for you, Jim. Now hear me out. But yeah, it's a ridiculous. There's there's so much to unpack right there. Uh I but, think tourism, uh, I think that's the key word here. It's to boost tourism, help support their festival. Um, I, you know, I don't like the idea of a Bigfoot being killed. I also don't like a, the idea of a Bigfoot being King Konged. I don't want one captured. And then what are we going to do? Put him on Broadway? Come on. You know, he's going to be poked at by scientists. I don't like it. Leave him in the woods where he belongs. I would like to see him. I'd like, I would love for you guys to find him and shake hands. But I, but I think we, I think we have to, we have to leave him alone. Yeah, so more like focus on document and prove rather yes. than uh, capture and uh, exploit. Yes. Yeah, well, look, there's a lot to unpack here, right? I mean, first you have to ask yourself, can you even get a, a flesh and blood uh, Bigfoot mm-hmm. body onto a lab table? I mean, there's a lot of unknowns there. So I don't know. Uh, that article didn't worry me too much. I hope it didn't worry Bigfoot. <laughs> Bigfoot don't care. <laughs> Um, well, let me jump into mine. So this, this, this news article caught my attention pretty good. Um, this is reporting out of the New York times. 
Can Robert Bigelow and the rest of us survive death? He's offering nearly $1 million if you help him figure it out. Um, I don't think I need to tell you guys uh, who Robert Bigelow is. We've discussed him much in the past. He's the former owner of uh, the infamous Skinwalker Ranch, uh, as well as um, the owner of Bigelow Aerospace, which is uh, a, you know a huge co- private company that's housing possible uh, metamaterials and providing space labs for NASA. He's anyway, weird Tony Stark. Yeah, he's right. basically <laughs> weird Tony Stark. And he's had an interest in, in, in UFOs uh, since he was a child uh, when, when something happened to him. But this is by Ralph Blumenthal. He's one of the trio that, uh, that wrote that New York Times article in December sure. of 2017 that blew up. Uh, but it goes on to say that he's offering nearly $1 million in prizes for the best evidence for the survival of consciousness after permanent bodily death. Um. Mr. Bigelow believes I am personally totally convinced of it, he said. A daunting quest, perhaps fringe to some, but the shaggy-maned and mustache entrepreneur, the sole owner of Bigelow <laughs> Aerospace and Budget Suites of America, is not easily put off. <laughs> what? What? I just like that he's also the, uh, like, out of everything you listed, he's also the owner of Budget Suites. Yeah, that's a new <laughs> detail. He is a mini-layered onion. Yeah, totally. His aerospace ventures have been financed by his Budget Suites business, one of the first extended stay rental change, now housing some 15,000 people in three states. The profits have enabled him, he says, to sink more than $350 million into Bigelow Aerospace, my own real black hole, as he put it. Um, Mr. Let's, I'm going to move through this article. It's quite extensive. I, I recommend you guys Google it and, and read it. But uh, last I'll June, throw it up in the links. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Uh, uh, last June, four months after bone marrow disease and leukemia claimed the life of his wife, Diane Bigelow, at 72, Mr. Bigelow quietly funded the Bigelow Institute for Consciousness Studies to support research into what happens after death. And it goes on to say that, oh, here we go. Uh, it set the stage for his new afterlife contest, seeking the best available evidence of survival consciousness, of consciousness, with prizes of 500000 300000 and 150000 for first, second, and third place. And uh, I just think that's fascinating. Here he is trying to like, you know, he's really just trying to amass a collection of uh, of evidence that says, and, and, you know, it brought into my mind, it's like, how can you prove the survival of consciousness, you know, I mean, how would you actually do that? Um, it, it, it's also like makes me think of the Bigfoot thing. You know, if Bigfoot <laughs> is more than a flesh and blood creature, how are you going to be able to prove the existence of I Bigfoot? Was, we'll I was going to say lot, lots of contests here. You know, it's like yeah. Representative Humphrey and Bigelow are like turning into like weird Batman villains. You know, I they're know. like, <laughs> oh, my God, putting bounties on the head of like ghosts and Bigfoot. I'm bouncing all over the the place here, Um, but I'm going to keep doing that (laughs) because why not? Uh, In 1995, Mr. Bigelow founded the National Institute of Discovery Science to study paranormal phenomena, paying only $200,000 for the following year for the 480-acre Skinwalker Ranch, nicknamed for its shape-shifting witches in Navajo legend. Um, Let me see. Uh, Oh, yeah. So Mr. Bigelow's investigative team, headed by Colm Kelleher, the Institute scientific administrator and biochemist documented their own paranormal events. Um, uh, According to 2005 book hunt for the skinwalker by Dr. Kelleher and George Knapp. Now this is a picture I sent you on one occasion, Ronnie, they write investigators peering through night vision goggles, watched an expanding tunnel of light, disgorge a large hominoid creature that then walked away and disappeared. (laughs) 
Hmm. A sudden fissure in the sky seemed to open a vista onto another dimension. Uh, and it goes on to say all the other strange shit. But, and I, I texted you guys that picture. We'll put it up in the show link uh, and notes. But this It'll to me is Instagram. like. Instagram. The one photographic evidence that Bigfoot comes out of portals. I mean, what do you think of that photo? Uh, the photo is in, really incredible. You know, it's it's a little blurry in the sense that you can't see a lot of detail, but you see something that is what looks like a portal, like kind of opening up. And um, I think of uh, Dr. Matthew Johnson, uh, who talked about, I think he was with... Um, God, he's skipping my name now. Uh, his name's escaping me now. But um, they witnessed a, a portal opening up. Yeah. Um, and creatures kind of guarding this this place. And and there's been reports of Bigfoot walking out of portals. And and so I think there's something to this. I feel like um, maybe not all of the Bigfoot out there are interdimensional some nature i feel like some are a little bit more advanced than others but mm. this it fits that that answer that people are looking for in the sense of like why there's no body why why can't we find bones and then why these footprints just kind of fade off right and just seem to disappear in an open field like something just took them off uh, well and i'm a ship you know totally i mean Man, I butchered that news. I mean, what a terrible <laughs> newsman I am. I start with one and move right into paranormal uh, to portal uh, opening Bigfoots. But let, let's <laughs> let's let's go back a little bit. I mean, do you guys think it's possible to to prove the existence of of consciousness survival after death? Um, you know, or is this sort of a you know a quest that he's just you know impossible? Well, I know that um, you know Edgar Mitchell was focused on the same subject matter you look at leslie keen who is focusing on the ufo subject with her book and now her yeah she wrote that book surviving death and and, and exactly. she's one of the three judges of the con of mr bigelow's contest so i think that was interesting yeah mm -hmm. and the fact that they're they're leaning there right into that that place i think that is hinting at the ufo subject that it has something to do with our souls with consciousness, consciousness with dimensions yeah dimensions uh, but i do i remember there was a study that they had done i remember this where they this was years ago they had measured uh you know the body at the at the moment of death and they they saw a, a very slight uh decrease in weight when that person took their last breath and almost like the like the soul had left 21 so grams 21 grams there right yeah that's there that movie go. yeah and so the other the other piece of that is we don't we think that consciousness is this thing that's kind of inside of our brain, kind of stuck inside the skull, but it's really like this this circle of energy that kind of encompasses all of us, and it intersects when we come into close contact with other people, and we can use this to, you know, remote view and everything else. So just like energy, I don't think it ever it ever really dies. It comes back in nature's form, recycles in some way. And, you know, maybe we come back not as humans, but as animals or something else within this this whole um, universe. But, you know, I what we've been able to figure out, I think, so far, we're starting to realize that what we thought was real and true 20, 30, 100 years ago is not the case. Right. Yeah. So quantum quantum physics, quantum mechanics is kind of changing that. And so I think that maybe we will discover some more things and. 
consciousness definitely seems to be that next frontier. I completely agree. I look, I think, and this is a pretty big statement. I think it's going to come down to consciousness. I think consciousness is going to be the key to understanding the UFO UAP phenomenon and possibly even the Bigfoot phenomenon as well. Um, I think this is the big, I mean, this is the big kahuna, right? This is what we don't understand um, that's allowing us to to see these things as individuals or as groups or societies. And, you know, I, I, I think, you know, consciousness is at play. And this is this is what's shifting us into and I know this sounds so new agey, but, you know, possibly moving us into these other dimensions where we have these strange experiences, you know, mm-hmm. that's if they're not these, you know, extraterrestrials, little little gray men from, uh, you know, Zeta Reticuli flying in tin cans. I think it's something more is taking place with our with our own consciousness. Uh, and I that's the big so. question, right? Does Is it mind before matter or matter before mind? In other words, is mm. it our brain that produces consciousness or was consciousness here before and it produces the the physical world that we see? Yeah, I wow. mean, there I, there was some, again, another study where they, it's like the brain had shut down. Uh, and it might be in that, the latest uh, Netflix documentary talking about how there was no brain activity. She was literally brain dead. But yet her consciousness, she was she could still see what was happening to her uh, below. And so I think it kind of maybe it's it's kind of a, a I look at it, look at consciousness as almost driving a car and where the vehicle and decides to kind of exit and go to another car, or drive around somewhere else. Mm. You know? Yeah, it's wild. Did you guys ever hear about those above the shelf experiments that that sometimes they do in uh, in trauma rooms and hospitals? Uh, so they'll put like maybe a letter and a number on a top shelf that you could only see from above mm, because cool. people oftentimes report leaving their body and and watching the surgery, watching the doctors and the you know and the and the trauma physicians trying to. Uh, bring them back to life and they'll be watching this whole thing and they have a vision of it from above. Uh, so some, some doctors, some surgeons have, you know, gone out on a limb and put like, uh, like letters and numbers or things on this top shelf that you could only see from above so that when they reenter their body, you know, and they say, I left my body and they'll be like, that's well, did awesome. you see what was on the top shelf? And, uh, that's an interesting experiment. I um, love that. Has well, but what's the outcome? Did anyone see it? Yes, yes, multiple times. Yes, I think this was, uh, I think this was in Leslie Keen's book, uh, where she wow. talked a little bit about that. But it's incredible, yeah, that's really interesting. That's cool, that's a great experiment. It's a great it's idea. Really Did you see what yeah. I uh, what I wrote on the shelf while you were having a near death experience? <laughs> <laughs> LOL, I put LOL, yeah. hashtag LOL up there. Just it's to- just a picture of a dick, you know, we like to keep it fun here in the trauma room. Just trying to keep it light. You know, it's an experiment, but it can be fun. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, this is all mind blowing. I don't know how they're going to do it, but I love, Ooh. you know, the the sad, rich, fascinating man who's grieving for his wife and like putting up a, a you know, like a Mr. Freeze level like experiment. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. It's great. It's fascinating. I'm really I'm really sad. You know, when when he finally passes one day, hopefully a long time from now, that like who's going to take Bigelow's place? I know. You know what I mean? I know. We need more rich, eccentric weirdos. Yeah. Elon you know, Musk. You know, oh, yeah. Elon really. will get weird with it, with the brain mesh oh, yeah. and all that, you know? Yeah, so. it's true. Well, let's get into uh, what Ronnie's been up to lately. I want to I want to talk yeah. about what updates you have from Monsterland. And then, as we mentioned, we want to get into... 
the first part of Expedition Bigfoot because I have some questions for both you and Bryce that I want to sure. I want to get to. Okay, great. Yeah. And and Michael, you're saying we can't we can't veer into episode four because there's some stuff I wanted to. We like. we can. We I was just the listeners will have known episode have watched episode four by now. Okay, uh, great. It's great. out by the time this episode drops. But uh, I was just letting them know the day that we're recording this is Sunday, so we're not going to see it until tonight. But I, I don't care about spoilers. So great, um, great. You guys are yeah. allowed to talk about. Uh, about episode four cool. even though okay. we haven't physically seen it yet good good because there's some stuff i want to bring up Great. yeah so what ronnie what's been going on in Monsterland? give us a reminder for new listeners sure. uh yeah. what Monsterland is and what 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 you've been up to sure so there's a section of uh central massachusetts within lemonster mass and and some of the surrounding towns called Monsterland. It, it was dubbed by the locals back in the 50s uh a gentleman spotted a Bigfoot-like creature went back to um, investigate this and disappeared. Police were called, and this guy apparently vanished. And the legend kind of goes on from there, and people had seen UFOs, strange balls of light. And so it's really this this strange place, and I, I do feel there is some kind of a portal or something in the Lemonster State Forest uh, because there's just so much activity, and it's been going on for a long time. Uh, I have recently been talking to a, a family who they want to be kept anonymous at this point in time, but I'm trying to encourage them to come forward uh, because their experiences are freaking crazy, incredible. And the whole family from the mom to the the son, uh, his, his uh, wife have had experiences. I've, I recently was over there a couple of months ago and spent time with the family and they live right on the outskirts of Lemister state forest. And, now that I think about it, Bryce, when I look back and, and spend some time in their in their backyard in the woods, it reminded me a lot of Kentucky mm. and how it was all these uh, little ravines and ridgelines and just like there's a creek running through, just really interesting layout and, and setup. But so the they've been having the mom had seen a Bigfoot, uh, the and had some strange experiences along that. She also had had one kind of peer and peek into her bedroom window, which is like eight feet over the, above the ground. Wow. Um, the son and the, the wife had seen uh, a white Bigfoot in the middle of, I think, one or two in the morning during the middle of a snowstorm as they were clearing out the driveway wow. and outside. And this thing screamed and hollered and they were like what the hell and they heard another one from the other side and and I, I still i just can't believe this stuff's kind of going on right in my backyard but i spent about six hours with them uh interviewing them and just trying to get their trust and and they have uh admitted to me that all their all of their neighbors have had similar experiences and sightings of ufos um bigfoot creatures and in the and the the night that i i was there that i left they had a ufo sighting in the backyard no way yeah what kind, was how like, close how close was uh, the... like close enough that they it was like above like above their house in a sense that it was just like so obvious that it was the sun was actually interacting with it um God. and here's the other interesting aspect He's been interacting, and I hope they don't kill me by sharing this, but he's been interacting with crows in his backyard that 
come and hang out and they're like talking to him and he walks in the woods they follow him oh my god um right like me and my squirrels. i was gonna say yeah yeah well so my, he's yeah. had this he's had this connection in nature <laughs> since he was a baby and there was a time when he i guess uh was out in the woods they grew up in the blue mountains and um moved here you know decade or more ago but had was out in the woods and had a baby deer they were laying down I don't know if they're hunting or what, but a baby deer like literally walked over and walked and like stood on his back. And the, the you know, the parents are just mystified. He's always had this connection. Oh, yeah. Not so, normal deer behavior. No. <laughs> or so, boy um, behavior. Or child behavior. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I, I just think their story is really important and it's and it's been happening, like it's recent. And I'm trying to get the neighbors to come forward and have them kind of share their story because just activity just continues to go on and, and this has been happening prior to uh they read uh mom and read my book and then reached out to me and then that's how we kind of started what about See, poltergeist good, activity good question uh, yes uh some you know like shadow people kind of stuff i know there's some other there's there's some other connections to to this family that i can't get into but that kind of tie into uh the dimensional aspect and all this stuff so there's definitely <laughs> it's definitely a lot of stuff that's been happening that people report uh once they've had this bigfoot experience or sighting they're seeing shadow people they're having paranormal experiences they're seeing balls of light and this just ties back into that whole is this flesh and blood or are we dealing with something else because i do feel it's pointing that way this is what's so fascinating and frustrating about these mm -hmm. uh, sort of habituation sites. And, and I think they're called that for a reason because it's like it'll be like one specific family that's just like having this interaction with these creatures and, and, uh, and other sort of crazy things as well. Yeah. And and they're like it happens all the time. Like I'm I mean, Bigfoot's out in my backyard every day. And then they'll invite like a researcher onto the property, you know, and then you know, the activity sort of stops or that researcher can't find really any confirmation on his own. Uh you, you, which is crazy. It's, it's almost like that sort of UFO phenomenon, right? Where it happens to yeah. like one individual and uh and it's for that individual, you know, it's yeah. meant for that person or that family. And when somebody else comes to, to check it out and say, Hey, I want to see this thing, you know, it, it, the activity stops, it ceases. And well, it was, it was actually the opposite with this, which was weird is I get a note like the next day, like, you know, what have you done? <laughs> oh, like, wow. I was like, what? Because when it, since I went to go see them, the activity kind of like spiked and went, like they had a UFO sighting that night. They had, I'm like, that's uh, wild. Sorry, <laughs> that's it, you, man. I feel like I feel I, like you. I've told you this before. I feel I like you're like a you're you're almost like a generator of 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 high strangeness. You know, and, and what makes you say that, Bryce? Well, just in reading Ronnie's books, Monsterland, he talks about you know sort of the experiences he's had, uh, you know, himself with his family and. And uh, I don't know. I just had a feeling that when when Ronnie joined the Expedition Bigfoot team, it was such an integral uh, key that we were missing, an integral piece. And when Ronnie got there, strange shit started happening, you oh, know, and, and like balls of light and 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 stuff, and you know, just that that high strangeness stuff that gets associated with with right. Bigfoot. And so sometimes I think, you know, 
this stuff needs a, a, a good receiver, you know, like it's like to, like Ronnie's mm. almost like mm. a radio station, like a very antique radio station that can pick up just on the right frequency or, and allow this high strangeness to come through. Or it's like one of those like Wi-Fi boosters you put in your house yes. to help boost your, your signal or your cell, your AT&T cell signal, you know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. So everybody can exactly. use it, but we just need, we need a booster around. Ronnie's well, a booster, man. Well, it's interesting because I did, I did have like some strange like UFO things happen to me when I was younger. And a lot of people that have had UFO experiences feel like they have some kind of implants. Wow. They have something in them that's actually generating or is getting picked up by other, you know, like. Oh, I never thought of it like uh, that. That's I, interesting. I, yeah, like uh, Mark D'Antonio, who's um, a friend of mine, he is the head of uh, MUFON's. Uh, all the video and any kind of pictures that come through, he's kind of like that, that gate to make sure, all right, this is legit or this isn't. Um, and he's had crazy experiences. He, he works with the Navy, does some classified stuff here and there, but he talks about being uh, abducted, finding uh, an implant in his nasal cavity, having mm-hmm. um, you know dreams of these great aliens and all these different things. And, and uh, he's, he's been tied into this thing from the get-go. And I think that's why some people are so obsessed with the subject and they can't seem to get away from it because – Either that's their life purpose or there is something else that's kind of like attaching themselves to these people that is keeping them in this lane. You know, I have a cyst on my thigh that's very questionable. <laughs> oh boy. Bryce, let's get that looked at. It's, it sounds demonic. <laughs> uh, uh, Ronnie, have you ever gotten x-rays or gotten yourself checked out? To no, see if I haven't. Anything and, and up there? <laughs> Meaning I, your nose or... <laughs> I haven't, but, um, you know, I, I've always been fascinated by like Dr. Roger Weir's work. I was and, just going to mention. Yeah. Yeah. His, and that's where I was like, man, and the fact that these things, um, you know, are using our bioelectricity to power themselves to be, to be their, their batteries, their power source, yeah. and that they are emitting some kind of an RF frequency as a signal. You know, for those who don't know, uh, and we've we've done a story of high strangeness on Dr. Roger Lear before, but he was a podiatrist, a foot doctor uh, right here in Southern California who <clears throat> had an interest in UFOs. And at a conference, somebody walked up to him and said, hey, you know, I have this what I believe is an implant. Do you think you could look at it? And he's like, well, the least I could do is x-ray it. And he did. And he found something. He found something anomalous. And uh, and he's and he sent it off to labs and it had a, a lot of isotopic anomalies anyway the guy ended up doing 17 different surgeries of people who had purported implants uh jeremy corbell friend of the show did a great documentary on it called patient 17 i highly recommend and uh and then you know as high strangeness goes of course he was also involved in that fucking incredible ufo video out of turkey where it was uh, Mm. outside of a ufo conference and he was right there and uh, I think it was over the Strait of Gibraltar and they zoom in. They had this fucking video camera that had like a thousand times zoom. Uh, Michael and Riley, this is the one where it's like you could see the aliens flying yeah. the yes. ship. Yes. And right. it's, like, it's so good. You go, this can't be real. Can't you know? be. But then it's like, you know, it was a it was a recurring sighting that happened every time around that year. And, uh, you know, it went in a flap. It like was happening for three. But anyway, that that was Roger Lear. So, yeah, there's something to those the idea uh, of of these implants, which which uh, which takes it back to extraterrestrial, doesn't it? Like some right, sort of higher yeah. intelligent 
species like because we do it to animals right we'll pull an animal exactly. we'll tag them we'll set them back in their environment and we'll and we'll monitor them and we'll pick them back up again and you know and it and this this is a process that you know happens throughout uh that particular animal's life why you, why you know what else, so different what else we do and we don't think of this and the cia has been doing this since the 60s is taking like a freaking fish, a robotic fish, right? That looks like a fish swimming in a lake, but it's actually filming. It's collecting audio. I mean, why wow, couldn't right. an extra, extraterrestrial place a Bigfoot in the woods and, and or a deer or these other animals that are can be the same kind of these little data collection sources that we think is an animal just running by, but it's actually something else. Or Riley, you gotta love that. Bigfoot is a sound recorder. <laughs> I, I do. You know I do. <laughs> the Sasquatch sound recorder. Mm. <laughs> yeah, or people. What about humans that are actually just data probes? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, Aren't there's there's an interesting story uh in the beginning of uh Massachusetts being a colony and a guy describes <laughs> Being in the woods and these two strange, uh, pale-looking beings, uh, described almost being like Nordics, uh, with strange-looking, tight-fitting suits were running through the woods and asking, you know, like, just seemed out of place, like out of time. So you never know, like, these, what, what could be out there? And, and people, I feel like. Whoa. Some people yeah. are zombies, and you got to wonder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Ronnie, I mean, and it makes me, and I wanted to ask you this, and, and this is partly why I loved bringing up that article, you know, Robert Bigelow looking for yeah. proof of the afterlife of the survival of consciousness. And it reminded me of like ghost hunter shows, like looking for proof of ghosts. Mm -hmm. If Bigfoot is not flesh and blood, are we just going to be chasing around his, you know, uh, after effect evidence or how close can we get to proving that Bigfoot is real? If this is a... A supernatural entity and you know that's a good question and one thing i never really kind of thought of is that you know there are people right and we also see ghosts of people so there are bigfoot and why couldn't there also be ghosts of bigfoot that people might see mm. right so I, I don't know and i feel like it is like it, it seems to be i've always been fascinated with the bigfoot subject because it seemed to be tied to ufos in such a way that it mirrors that secrecy Right, yeah. that they're uh, they don't want to talk about it. We feel like they they know certain things. There's been reports of uh, military officers watching Bigfoot with starlight scopes and and being told not to engage, but just yeah, Edwards Air Force the base. Base. Exactly, walk through the base. They're going to show up. They know they're coming in and where they're coming from and how they're. And I think that that's freaking you know portals I don't well and and these bigfoot sort of match this like hypothetical prime directive like not to interfere with the human species yes. right we hear about yes. that with with ufos and extraterrestrials you know don't interfere we'll screw mm -hmm. things up and it's like bigfoot sort of almost has that same directive you know don't right. get too Casually involved walking away right? yes right. right totally and but on occasion they do fuck with you you know and that happens mm -hmm. in the ufo world as well and and, you know, you'll hear the rare case in Bigfoot, too, like, you know, Ape Canyon where shit goes crazy. But, um, right. yeah, it right. just makes me it just makes me think, you know, and I know we all read that book where the footprint ends and the idea that oh, this yeah. being like That's a awesome. wilderness 
a wilderness poltergeist, it's like sometimes I ask myself, like, are we chasing a ghost here? You know, mm-hmm. and if we are, how do we get ahead of this thing and and fucking you know capture this ghost? You know, well, I think you've led us straight into Expedition Bigfoot territory with that question, Bryce. And Good. and you know, watching the first few episodes of the season, I kind of feel that way. I feel like you guys are getting. Way more. I don't know how it feels on your end, but it feels as a as a viewer, we're getting way more activity in the front end of the season than we did in uh, season one, oh right? My God. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is interesting because you're in a completely different location. You're in southeast Kentucky in the mountains. Um, but how much of this, Ronnie and Bryce? I want to hear your thoughts. Um, chime in, please. How much of it feels like you are chasing a ghost out there in the woods? A, a lot of it, honestly, because it feels like, you know, it's just out of sight. It's just out of reach. But you know something's with you. You know you're not alone in the woods. And it's it's fucking scary at times because, you know, we, we can't see sometimes six feet in front of our face. Mm. And we're just kind of walking blindly down this trail um, or we're, you know, entering an area that we might have seen a glimpse of in the day and now you're – in the thick of it and you everything you can get turned around so freaking quickly there. Um, but I just felt like we had something just out. They are so good that they're like freaking ninjas that yeah. I can't, I, I'm telling you, like you start walking and you're like, there's something walking alongside of me, like as I'm stepping and, and just following that same sounds mm. and you could sense something else with you there. And that's what you have to listen to. Like you may not be able to see with your eyes or hear exactly what's making, but uh, you can start to sense that. And then things start to kind of come into play. And um, yeah, man, it's, it, it just, it gets a little frustrating because I, I think that's where the technology piece, I mean, look at ghost hunters there. That's what's really kind of brought them to that next level is having this, this tech, which allows them to see, um, you know, using thermal imagery and all this. I mean, that's what we, that's really aiding us and guiding us to this thing, but it definitely seems like there's times where we're just chasing a, a right. But I don't want to get to like the point where it's like, there's like a little like weird box that we're using that just goes, beep. Yeah. Oh, Bigfoot's right. here. Beep. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, no, no. Mm, yeah. Bryce throwing some shade at the ghost hunting No, no, community. no, not at all. I've been watching <laughs> no, a lot. Of, yeah. I've been watching a lot of ghost hunting shows just to see <laughs> the <laughs> techniques they're using because, right. you know, I really want to take all that information in. Michael, there's a moment that Ronnie was, you know, we're talking about being elusive and just like a ninja. There's a moment it's coming up in one of the next few episodes with Ronnie. Mar- It'll fucking blow your mind. It was well, such an exciting moment. Okay, but- I can't wait because, uh, you know, the question I've been dying to ask Ronnie is about a moment in towards the end of episode two and into the beginning of episode three, which is after Russell plays that Bigfoot call mm. that Bryce captured, right? Yeah. And you and Maria are down in the holler and mm-hmm. you suddenly hear these sounds coming back. Now, this is one of those things that even as a guy who co-hosts a Bigfoot show, you know, the the some of the results that you guys are getting on the show so far are so strong, in my opinion, that, you know, there is that part of me that goes, this can't be fucking happening. You know, know? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I know. Like how, exactly. you know, yeah. and, and, you know, I, that, that skeptic 
side of you kicks in and you're like, but I know Bryce and I know, you know what I mean? I've, I've at least met Ronnie over the, over the podcast. So talk about that moment where you and Maria hear these sounds and then you are literally going, there's one here, Mm -hmm. here and here. I guess, what did those sounds sound like in person? And then how did you get the sense that you were surrounded by two or three of these, whatever these creatures are? Sure. Okay. So I had an experience less than a year prior to this, that if I didn't have that experience, I wouldn't have been so into in tune to what was happening. Wow. But I was in Salt Fork State Park, Ohio with Maddie Blake, my co-host with the podcast, uh, Dr. Rebecca Foster, who's a clairvoyant medium, and Jeff Byers, who owns uh, Creature Replica. Are you moonlighting on other expeditions, Ronnie? Uh, maybe. maybe. <laughs> that sounds no, like we, a whole other expedition. What the fuck? We, we, <laughs> <laughs> we, we went to go to – it was Bob Gimlin's birthday, and we went to a conference, and we were uh, right outside the conference center at like 1 in the morning, and we start walking out towards the, to the vehicles, and we had uh, cabins up on the other part of uh, the park. And I noticed this orange ball of light kind of dancing around in the woods. I was like, guys, we've we got, we got something <laughs> over here. So we head over to the tree line, and then this ball of light splits in the two. It becomes two eyes that are eight feet off the ground, glowing and staring back at us. And the clairvoyant medium, medium is right next to me, and she's like, that's that's a big foot. And she's like, it's showing me its face. And we could... We could, and I was like, what do you mean? Like, it's showing its face. Like, there, and she goes, and there's another one to the left of us, and we had shut all of our flashlights off. And Jeff Byers has been in this situation several times before in Ohio as well as Pennsylvania uh, with a couple of researchers. And he called it out like, this is what's going to happen next. This one's going to come over to the right, and it's gonna, they're going to surround us and circle us, and they're going to try to push us out of here. Mm. And instantly when we're in that spot with Maria, I was like, fuck, they're doing it. It's happening again. And wow. like, and I'm like, this is what's happening. They're starting to twist this up. And sure enough, they, they pushed us out of there. And what's amazing is like, if I was by myself and explaining it to somebody else, like this just happened, people, okay, whatever. But then when you have Dr. Maria experiencing it with me, we're there together and this shit's going on. And she's like, what is happening? You know, like it's intense and, and, and you're right. The activity and people don't, I think, understand how much shit is happening to us out there. Like it seems almost instantaneous that we kind of go like, you know, the, the camera guy, they're all kind of going, what the fuck is that? Like, what is happening? Dude, <laughs> let me like, speak on that for one know, second. I want a show about the camera, a second show that follows and the cameraman just, following you. Yeah. Well, you, well and I, I feel like in this season, you oh, sense that feeling that I get uh, when it's happening that a normal animal wouldn't necessarily do this. They're going to smell us. They're going to get the hell out of there. They're going to, there's too much noise. They're going to, they're going to kind of move, you know what I mean? And so I wasn't really frightened at the moment that we're running into, say, a bear or a mountain lion. Um, but I definitely felt I felt like I was right back in Ohio again, and that, that was happening again. That's incredible. Yeah. It was just, just, you could just sense it. You just felt like there's, there's more than one of them here, and 
they accomplished what they wanted to. They they spun us around. We right back to where we started as we're trying to go down into this this holler. Wow. So it was just freaking mind blowing and wild that like just what transpired. Like how the hell did that just happen? <laughs> God, that's incredible. I mean, and just to like go off what Ronnie was saying about the tremendous amount of activity. I remember, you know, when we started season two, I was like, man, season one was so incredible. There was so much evidence and activity. How much, how are we going to be able to to top that? And I hope we can. And, but I feel like this season had twice, if not three times the amount of activity uh, that took place in season one. So yeah, there was so much going on. Uh, Michael, I know you had a, I know you've become sort of fascinated with, uh, the relationship of, of, with Ronnie and Maria. Yes. I mean, they're, 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 they're so well juxtaposed well, against each other. We, so we've been recapping every episode over on the other side, uh, yeah. on our Patreon. And, you know, I'm, I, first of all, I, I love, you know, I'm a lifelong X-Files fan and I really feel like you awesome. guys are emerging as the Mulder and Scully because <laughs> she's, you know, she's coming at it from the primatologist point of view. And there's this brilliant moment where you charged ahead to, you you know, to be like, I know there's one over this ridge. I got to go see it. And she yeah. ends up yelling at you, <laughs> scolding you <laughs> for it, which is great. You know, I'm like, I like that these personalities are coming out on the show and it's really fascinating because I see your point of view and I also see her point of view. So what is it like? And obviously, you know, you guys were even joking about it on Twitter. So I feel like you guys get along. But what is oh, yeah. it? How is it? A, you know, what's it like to adjust to uh, or or isn't it a, a, an adjustment to bringing the dynamic that you have, which you call on the show unorthodox uh, to working with somebody who's coming from a very uh, scientific uh, point of view. Yeah, I mean, we're we're both there with the same goal in mind, right? We, we want to be a part of uh, bringing this thing to life and, and showing people that they do indeed exist. Uh, but we do butt heads um, from time to time on things, and I think there was a few things that were kind of leading up to this point. That I think she was kind of like, all right, that's enough. Like, right. But for me, being in that situation and having been on the other side, right, like just watching from my couch and going, oh, why are they, why are they running away from this thing? Or let's get out of here. Why aren't they charging forward? Why aren't they, mm. you know? And so, just like that moment, like this is your chance to kind of like have that sighting that visual i've been close i've had seen some weird shit but i felt like there was something right there and i'm i'm gonna do it and it was like maria wasn't there it was just me and this thing Mm -hmm. and to me and this is another reason why i did it i feel like they aren't these animals that we think they are i feel like they are intelligent they have some abilities that we don't understand and i do feel like they can read my intentions my heart my mind they're not going to harm me Mm. so that's another reason why i have the freaking balls to do that because you know if that is the case and if i'm wrong all right but i'm not going to miss that opportunity to have that sighting or that experience and then show you know if i'm in that moment again i would do it again well, that was my I'm next question. <laughs> yeah, that was my next question is like, you know, aside from, you know, just from your own point of view, 
do you feel like did did a part of you go okay maybe charging is, you know or maybe rushing towards it isn't actually the way i'm gonna get it to interact with me the way that i want it to nope mine was i didn't i didn't run fast enough <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. you know, because awesome. it, it because to me it's like i want to see something running off at least right. we can get that something's gonna yeah. leave right. an impression or, or footprints uh or you know like here we are we we have our cameras we have this this is the time to do it but i do understand i do get her point that if it wasn't if it was a mountain lion or a bear then i could have easily gotten injured she could have gotten injured crew you know right but to me i feel like if that was something other than bigfoot it's not sticking around it's freaking taking off no, so that, whatever that was this big thing point. is, <laughs> no yeah, fucking doubt about it. I, and that was my thing too. And and the fact that nothing was there too. Again, it goes to this thing. How's this thing freaking just vanish? You know, to speak to that point of like you wanting to see with your own eyes, Bigfoot. Just to clarify, all four of us have never actually seen Bigfoot. We've gotten pretty right. close, but I was thinking about the goals of of our team and what what I personally would like for all of us to accomplish. And I think I've come away with, uh, when this thing is all said and done, I would like each and every one of us to have seen with our own eyes and hopefully mm-hmm. God willing with our cameras as well, a Bigfoot. Yeah. A hundred percent. I would love that for everybody. And I would love that. Um, we're a part of helping to bring this thing to light with the evidence we're collecting. You know, people look at it, you know, I look at what, the amount of evidence we collected just in season one, that first expedition was more than some shows had done in their entire existence. And I, and it's like, we are, you know, this is an expedition of research uh, team, like first show second, because that's like everything, things shift uh, all the times, mm. all the time, depending on what, what's happening and what we uncovered the night before. It's like, Oh, we're doing this now because you know, uh, we're just following where all of those uh, clues and, the, and things are popping up our way. We just follow that. Keep on going. Yeah. It's been nonstop. I personally love when, when, when you could see in Dr. Maria's eyes, like, you know, and it happens a few times in the season, yeah. like what the fuck is happening? This oh, is yeah. not real. <laughs> what is going on? You know, and there's a definitely oh, yeah. a few moments like that where, where, and, and I think this is what makes it so great. She's butting head up against her own belief system of, of, of of what could be real you know yeah, i know and, and i know she's sort of too. yeah and yeah. us too yeah what so speaking of uh evidence and surprises uh i know uh they they teased last week uh teased yeah. for episode four that you guys find some sort of hand yeah yes yeah, there's a hand, and uh, you know we won't give too much away about well, that. Well, I think it's aired in episode four, so maybe right? Is it? Yeah, yes, it, yeah, it does. Yep. yeah. So our listeners have yeah. seen that episode, even though we haven't. So w- what's going on there? Well, basically, uh, oh, I heard a click. Can everybody hear me? Yes. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, so basically, uh, somebody reached out to us, uh, uh, me particularly, in an email, and basically was like, you know. Uh, there's been a lot of activity around here, and I recently found my dogs were out hunting, uh, and they brought this back, and it Jeez. looks like a fucking it, – it's a hairy hand, 
and it has uh, what looks like claws. And um, what? I mean, just off the bat, you're like, okay, uh, the first thing you're thinking of is boom, we've got what we need, right? Because I think people often forget all it takes is one bone, mm-hmm. one bone to right. put this mystery to bed. I mean, Homo floresiensis was discovered by a, a, a tooth that they found in a cave. You know, that that confirmed the species, the existence of that species. So all it takes is is one tooth, one bone, and but how about a fucking hand, right? <laughs> um, you know, I don't want to for those who haven't seen, I don't want to give too much away about it, but uh yeah, it was it was it led to some pretty interesting uh, investigatings into what was that, where did it come from, and does he still have it? <laughs> so, uh, wow. Uh, yeah. But I, uh, you know, if, if you've seen episode four, I spoiler alert everybody who's listening, but I want to talk about that fucking tree structure. Oh, um, awesome. I mean, this is like, this is the shit that doesn't it just, it looks and feels witchy, doesn't it, Ronnie? It, I mean, it, uh. Like when, when you guys found that thing, I think your words were freaking jackpot, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And it and was. was like, it was, was like, like, this is awesome. Yeah, because I, now you're down God. to two things. Now you're down to two things. You're done with bears. You're done with cougars. You're done with, what was that making that noise in the woods? You're down with, okay, either yeah. either a human with a fucking ladder made this. Either a witch. A witch or a fucking Bigfoot, right? So now you're yeah. like into like, there's only two things that could have made this, you know? This thing was so big, okay? It, the the main centerpiece and all the tree structures that I've seen coming out of uh, Washington State, BC, there's always one dominant kind of piece that is almost like that backbone uh, of a spine almost um, that kind of runs through this thing. And the size of this freaking log that was running through the top of this thing across, I mean, there's no way that you can really do it by yourself. You know, like if, if you're trying to do this thing and that it would just take something very strong to kind of put this whole thing together and the way things were intertwined and where it was located was the other factor that really stood out to me because this thing was high up on a ridgeline. It was on like a shelf. And if you like kind of came to the edge of that shelf, you had a great visual looking down, you could see and directly above. So it was kind of like in this little hidden pocket where this thing was placed. And it was pretty amazing for us to come across this as well as for Maria to be the one that was like, uh, Ronnie, I think I found what we've been looking for this whole time. Yeah. You know, does Michael, I think it, it sort of feels like to me, like Bigfoot sigil magic. Great. Love it. Do yeah. you know what I mean? It's sure. almost like, I don't know. There's something to the idea that, I don't know. When you see the structures of these things, you're like, what is the purpose behind well, this? Well, I could yeah. see that, it, you know, if we're dealing with intelligent creatures here that, you know, I think most of us agree that's what's going on, um, that there, there are obviously they're able to create their own signposts, their own symbols, their own markings in order to communicate with one another and maybe uh, display some sort of symbology to the outer world as well. You know what I mean? So it may look really witchy and sort of folk magic-y and it may not be that. It may just be uh, symbols or, uh, you know, that are rep- represent some type of visual language for them, you know? Yeah. 
it, it okay. would be interesting too to think you know what if these you know we're we're talking about portals earlier in the episode and what if this is like an archaic way to kind of almost create a portal you know you hear about um uh alistair crowley using yeah. a sword using a sword and making these um these symbols in the air to open up a portal mm-hmm. so so why couldn't something like you know well, Bigfoot has these abilities to do something. These things can kind of create this little kind of opening. Because um, there's always the talk of elementals and stuff being uh, close by in the same areas that Bigfoot is. And there's also the idea, is Bigfoot an elemental the ability to change into a ball of light like a shaman and all this stuff? Well, that's a great point. And they would use their natural environment to help, you know, at least mark those things if not represent or actually sure yeah yeah or or literally use like hey part of the part of the way i open up a portal is i wave a giant yeah tree branch or tree in the air who who the fuck knows but i love that now i'm seeing a scene for our bigfoot country song where bigfoot's in the diner in the morning he's getting his breakfast he looks at his watch he's late for work and he uses his coffee stirs to make a portal uh, to oh, get to work on time. How about his like first I love it. Speaking <laughs> of getting uh, being late for work, we have to take a break and come back with a story uh, for High Strangeness, tailor made for Ronnie. So uh, yes. stick with us. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, we are back, and it's time for this week's story of High Strangeness. Uh, by the way, I'm so excited. Uh, to see the rest of this season of Expedition Bigfoot. And if if you're listening to this and haven't joined the Patreon, uh, subscribe at patreon.com slash Bigfoot Collectors Club. And we'll talk more in-depthly this week uh, about episode four and every other episode that's happening this season. We're having a lot of fun talking to, to Bryce about it. Oh, man, it's a blast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Okay, so for this week... I uh, found a story in a a book that um, I'm pulling up my, where is, oh, here we go. Um, This story comes from the book, The Locals. I'm sure you're familiar with this, Ronnie. That's right, by Tom Powell. My mother gave me this book uh, a few years back after visiting Northern California. So I want to say, thanks, mom. (laughs) um now do you know tom powell personally have you met him i don't i've been a fan of his his work and i would love to meet him yeah yeah little background on tom powell he was a longtime uh bfro researcher 
Uh, but he started getting a little disheartened and dismayed when all the Bigfoot reports that had some high strangeness surrounded it and ended up in the trash bin. And mm-hmm. and he decided to start picking through a few of those and uh, investigating some of those on his own. Well, that's what's really cool about this book. It has some of that stuff in it. Um, I think reading uh, Where the Footprints End by last, you know, by last week's guest, uh, Tim and Josh, they mentioned this book in that book, and it made me want to go back and check it out. And mm-hmm. it's got some great Bigfoot encounter stories in it. So this is a story that I lifted directly from the locals. Um, and uh, this book was published in 2002 or three. This story takes place in 2001 and was told to Tom Powell by the witness, Rocky Bounds, an elk hunter from Oregon. Great. This is the Rocky Bounds Bigfoot Encounter. Now, sometime prior to the events of this story, Rocky Bounds was driving down Highway 18 along the Oregon coast when he witnessed a huge, hulking Bigfoot creature gracefully zip across his headlight beams at night. Seeing that Rocky was from Oregon, the concept of Bigfoot was nothing new to him, but this was the first time he'd actually seen anything. He began to wonder if the Bigfoot legend was true and began to understand why his buddy, who lived in the woods, always carried a gun when leaving the house after dark. In the fall of 2001, Rocky was out elk hunting on a private tim- in private timberlands in Oregon's coastal range when he encountered a checklist of Class B Bigfoot evidence that would not be uncommon on, oh, say a show like Expedition Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Um, Ronnie and Bryce, you guys want to remind our listeners what Class B evidence consists of? Sure. Basically, anything outside of a, a of a sighting, right? So knocks, uh, rocks being thrown at you vocalizations uh footprints hair anything outside of a direct beautiful hair hair. uh so yeah class b anything outside of a direct eye-to-eye contact hoops and hollers yeah sure so armed with his trusty bow rocky was tracking elk down an old logging road when he came across Uh, alder saplings two to three inches in diameter that had been twisted and broken the plant still green with life at a height at about eight feet up the trunk so there was no signs of chain or cable damage these things were twisted as well as broken as if something with two giant hands had wrenched these uh, saplings and then broken them so they're not dead trees either Not much further along his venture, Rocky came across a bed of ferns and fir branches, which he might have chalked up to a bear. But curiously, there were stones placed around the bed in uh, a circle design, almost defining the edges. And the fir branches seemed to have been hauled in from some other area. But it was possible another hunter could have done this, so he shrugged it off and moved on. Further down his trek, Rocky began to hear sounds in the thick trees that made him feel like he was being stalked. So exactly what Ronnie was talking about earlier. Behind him, a tree collapsed in the road, followed by a loud screaming sound. His fear beginning to rise, Rocky came across a second twisted off tree near a large footprint embedded in the earth. The size of the track was 14 inches long and 7 inches wide. Now, if this were a TV show, this might be the perfect point for a cliffhanger. But Rocky's discovery was complemented by another discovery, 
that being a large pile of fresh scat that Rocky described as smelling horrible. Mm. Okay, cut to commercial. Hoping he might be able to snag some DNA samples, he freed the sandwich he'd been he had packed from its cellophane baggie and grabbed a bit of a stool sample. And no sooner than the dookie had been bagged, Rocky started hearing wood knocking coming from the forest. Quiet at first, but getting louder. Grabbing his bow, Rocky knocked against a tree trunk and for 20 minutes seemed to converse with whatever was out in the woods. I just have to say real quick, if you're taking note of all our BJ and the Shadow Bats songs, uh, maybe you may want to write down Bagged Dookie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Bagged Dookie. Dookie Bag. Dookie bag. Uh, <laughs> so after he had been knocking against the tree and conversing, getting answers back uh, for about 20 minutes, he decided, eh, I've had enough. I'm getting freaked out. And he takes off. So Rocky recounted this story to researcher Tom Powell, who kept his belief at bay, yet treated Rocky's story with open-mindedness. Powell suggested Rocky bring a bag of apples back into the woods and make an offering to see if he could coax one of the unseen creatures out into the open. However, he told Rocky to keep a few things in mind. One, a Sasquatch wasn't dangerous unless Rocky fired at it. He could take his bow with him back to the woods, seeing as he had it with him during his original encounter, but he did not recommend using it. Two, Rocky shouldn't try to trick a Sasquatch. They're smart. Don't think that sprinkling some fresh dirt around the apples will get a footprint. They'll belly crawl through the dirt to the apples just to keep out of sight and prevent you from getting the evidence that you want. And then three, Powell told Rocky... No matter what happens, if you see a Sasquatch, don't take your eyes off of it for a second. It will vanish. Wow. So, keeping this in mind, Rocky went back into the woods, and the next day, armed with his bow and an old-school Kodak instant camera, the only kind of camera he had, he went for it. Now, what allegedly happened to Rocky was nothing short of wild Rocky got back out into the woods at dawn, laid a pile of apples in an open area beneath some power lines. He circled the area and then laid in wait. About a half hour later, Rocky saw a hairy creature belly crawling out of the woods towards the apple a few hundred yards away. He couldn't believe his eyes. Powell had been right. Now, he just had to get closer to snap a picture and keep an eye on the creature at all costs. That task would prove to be impossible. Hmm. I'm going to read you uh, to you guys from the locals. This is Rocky recounting this encounter. So with my camera in one hand and my bow in the other hand, I started to creep closer to the thing on the ground. Now, I could definitely see it moving, and it was definitely doing a belly crawl towards the fruit. Then... It happened. I hear this loud screaming going on behind me. But I remember what Tom said. I didn't take my eyes off that guy on the ground. Because I remembered, he's talking to Tom, what you said, that they would try to distract me. Now, this thing behind me was making quite a racket. For all I knew, it was doing jumping jacks back there. But I didn't turn around. So I'm getting closer to this thing doing the belly crawl, but still too far away to get a good picture. All of a sudden, 
I hear something else start screaming and howling behind me. But this one was behind me on my other side. It was definitely a second one. So now I have two of these things screaming their heads at, off behind me. It was all I could do not to turn around. But I just kept my eyes on the one ahead of me on the ground. I was still too far away to get a picture, so I kept moving toward it. Meanwhile, these two things behind me are still going nuts. But then, he stepped out of the bushes. Yeah, he. And he was huge. Must have been eight feet tall. Easy. Maybe nine. He was huge. He was mad. And he was close. Thirty feet away. Maybe less. There's no way I couldn't look at this one. He was screaming and waving his arms. So, I start to raise the camera to my eye, and as soon as I do, I get this message. It wasn't spoken to me, but it was loud, and it was clear, and it said, if you take that picture, I'll kill you. So... Yeah, I'm not fucking around. Yeah, in <laughs> in the middle of this, Rocky had uh, glanced back at the first one because he remembered. Oh shit! I took my eyes off the 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 one belly crawling, and of course he see he sees it running back to the trees. So, you know, he's sitting there thinking he's going to wet his pants. He raises the camera to the big guy, and uh, and he gets that message. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he says uh, he goes on he says it looked me right in the eyes and I began to raise the camera and at that exact moment I knew I'd better not it's like he was warning me not to by sending me some kind of mental message I don't know how to explain it but it just stopped me cold I knew it knew that I was about to do what I was about to do and it just wasn't going to let me take that picture no way. So uh, he he glances back and sees the first creature disappearing into the tree line. And then when he turns to look back at Big Papa, Big Papa's gone. So just like Powell said, if you take your eyes off these things, they're going to move. So he decided, okay, I've had enough. <laughs> I've seen enough. And he goes home. Uh, and in spite of his fear, uh, he, ca- he calls... Tom Powell tells him what happened uh, and Powell says take me back I want to go back to the spot where you saw these things so in spite of his fear Rocky brought Powell out to the area the next day the apples were gone and Powell could see the tall tree breaks and the decomposing scat but no prints no screams and no Bigfoot Rocky was disappointed that he couldn't provide any hard evidence but Powell told him Bryce, if you'll read from page 140. Yeah. Hey, it's better that you didn't. If you had marched me out into the woods and we'd both seen a furry two-legged animal running for the trees, I would have suspected that it was all staged for my benefit. We saw about as much as I expected to see, which is not much. But that's better because I know that Bigfoots don't hang around for researchers like me to take video of with their camcorders you did just fine rocky i appreciate the time you spent showing me around your favorite hunting spot end quote and that's the story of the rocky bounce bigfoot encounter it's fucking crazy 
And it's great. I mean, it's funny because having prepared this, I feel like Ro- uh, Ronnie was telling us stuff in the first half of the show that really, I mean, it feels like these, these creatures were trying to corral him, yeah, um, coordinate. Yeah. coordinate. Yeah. And you know, when I hear a story like this, I'm like, okay. And, t- and Powell really, you know, he, you know, I think he kept his judgment. Like, look, I can't, I can't believe everything I hear, but this story really rang true to me. And I believe that he had this encounter, you know? Um, I mean, why it takes me back to what we're talking about. Why do some people get this, (laughs) you know, and then the rest of us never see anything. I know that's incredible for him to have, you know, to see one, but then to see another, like that would be incredible to be in that, (laughs) that spot at that time. Um, but I'm sure that's terrifying to, you know, be hearing these things screaming at you, knowing that they could tear you apart if they want to in a second. And telling them that, I was like, geez, let's get right to the point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't think this guy was looking to ever see Bigfoot, right? This is just a matter of being at the, the wrong place at the right time. And, and yeah, you yeah. know, so it's just, who knows? Well, and that's the guess. thing that he talks about. He was like, he, yeah, he'd been from Oregon. He'd heard the stories. He never really believed it. And then he saw something run across the, his car at night and went, huh? And then, but wasn't thinking about it when he went out elk hunting that first day. And, you know, even when he's seeing the the bed in the tree branches, he's going, well, this is weird, but he's not necessarily jumping to Bigfoot, you yeah, know? Connection. Yeah. yeah, and it's not until he's seeing the scat and the footprint and hearing the sounds that he's like, wait a minute, maybe this is a Bigfoot. Um, and sidebar, I also, I, I, I use the term Sasquatch when describing those rules. I don't think Tom Powell really uses that word. I think he tends to use Bigfoot, and he talks about in this book that there's we just don't have a good name for these creatures, yeah. you know, that all of them sort of fall short. So he uses the lowercase term Bigfoot um, because he's like, it's not Santa Claus. It's not capital B Bigfoot. They're, in, they're a species. Right, right, um, yeah. That's but, uh, they're interchangeable. They both work. Um, yeah. But, um, it's just, a, this is one of those really fun stories of high strangeness, cool, just eyewitness encounter story that, um, you know, just the idea of seeing this giant, you know, bull Bigfoot, like that close, just uh, must be terrifying. Okay. And there is a thing where he describes as, as you talk about on expedition Bigfoot, you know, he said he was overwhelmed with this sense of fear and he kept saying he thought he was going to piss his pants. Mm-hmm. And I started to think, well, that kind of sounds like the infrasound stuff yeah, that you man. guys have touched upon on the show. Yep. Same thing. Same exact thing. Yep. I mean, if you see a like a tiger up close and personal out in their environment in the wild and they do that low, low rumble, which is below 20 hertz. I mean, you're going to you're what's going to kick in is fight or flight. And and usually when those combined, you just stand there and shit your pants. <laughs> That's science. Ronnie, have you ever shit your pants in the woods? That's science. Don't stop reading, Jim. Right, oh, if, but it is like it's like a mix of the two. You're not gonna, you're not gonna, you're not gonna fight the tiger. You're not gonna run from the tiger. You don't know what to do. Your body shuts down. You just yeah. go, you know, and you're just like overwhelmed with with fear. I really hope we have a scene of you pissing your pants this season, Bryce. I'll see what be... I can do. Yeah, see, see you can whip up. Uh, Ronnie, what do you think? I mean, when you hear a story like this, do you go, eh, bullshit, or eh, I believe it? Well, I guess, you know, when he's describing, he's hearing these growls behind him, and they're screaming at him, and he's still 
not turning around, I, I probably would be like kind of glancing back and forth very quickly. But um, no, I mean, the fact that uh, he starts describing things where initially just having that thing run across the road and then stuff starts kind of happening as he's out in the woods and they seem to be in tune with hunters, you know, in the, in the sense that they don't want them on their hunting grounds, taking mm. their food. And that seems to come into play a lot where hunters, uh, especially ones out here have had similar kind of aggressive uh, experiences, whether they've had, you know, rocks thrown at them or uh, just really terrify them enough that they don't want to go back uh, in the woods again or even hunt anymore right. because some something just so insane happened to them i mean who better to see them than hunters right i mean these guys yeah. are out on their own they're in alone they're in the middle of the woods uh you and know oftentimes they're they're masking their scent with deer scent and everything else and that kind of gives them an upper edge where bigfoot can you know uh gonna smell you hunters seem to be able to get away with that perfect person to fuck with yeah <laughs> all right well i think that wraps up another episode of bigfoot collectors club ronnie it's so exciting to have you back we're so excited uh uh for season two of expedition bigfoot um you know we don't know where we can find bigfoot but where can our listeners find your work sure uh so my website ronnieleblanc.com r-o-n-n-y uh the books uh Monsland one and two can be found on amazon and we have a podcast with Maddie Blake, which is on pod617.com. Fantastic. And you can find us uh, Instagram at Bigfoot Collectors Club, on Twitter at Bigfoot Pod. Uh, boys, is there anything that you guys would like to plug before we say goodnight? No, you know, I just, our uh, Patreon, the other side, is uh, what I'd like to plug because um, we've really been putting a lot into it this month and especially doing the recaps of the show and everything. And it just, it's more than just like DVD bonus features. It's like a whole other show. So yeah. if you're into this, I really think you'd be into that. And it's five bucks a month. Check it out. Yeah. And that's why it's aptly named The Other Side. It really is The Other Side to our podcast. Listen, I'll plug uh, our show, Season 2 of Expedition Bigfoot, airing yeah. exclusively on Discovery Plus every Sunday night. 12 entire episodes of just incredible activity and evidence. Don't miss it. Guys, what, 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 what's any little teases you can have about what's coming up this season? Anything you can tease? Uh, uh, let's, let's just say that uh, Maria has an experience. She just cannot explain. Woo. Awesome. Mm, yeah. All right. Well, we'll be talking more about Expedition Bigfoot here on uh, on BCC and then also on the other side all season long. Uh, do us a favor, guys. Go to uh, Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star review. If you do, we will read it here on the show like this one from our trusty listener, Will Bailey, also a Patreon member. Thanks, Will. He writes, amazing. Five stars. Great podcast. Great mixture of scary and funny. They also really care about their listeners. Great guys and great listening. Give it a chance. Well, I mean, that's a glowing review. Thank Love you, that. Will. Thank You're you. a great listener and supporter of Bigfoot Collectors Club. All right, everybody. Thanks again to Ronnie LeBlanc. We'll be back next week. Until then, good night. And go get regressed. Oh, God. 
Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray. Our theme song is Come Alone by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the podcast to more listeners. To support the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club and unlock multiple reward episodes every month. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch involved in a then unheard of secret organization called the Illuminati and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday.